episode 16 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, my guests are Meg Freeman and Dory Schwartz. Meg and Dory are sewists and bloggers in their own right, and together they are the women behind Kids Clothes Week, the popular online challenge to sew clothes for your kids one hour a day each day for a week and share what you've made online. During Kids Clothes Week, hundreds and sometimes even thousands of people are sewing together every day, creating a community of mothers taking extra time to create something personal and beautiful for their children. Meg Freeman started Kids Clothes Week in 2008. She wanted to sew clothes for her children, but every night ended up lying on the couch instead of working in front of the sewing machine. She came up with the idea to challenge herself to sew for an hour each night for a week, and it worked. Soon after, she invited everyone who read her blog, Elsie Marley, to join in the challenge, and so Kids Clothes Week was born. Dory Schwartz joined Meg in 2012 to plan and build a new site for the Kids Clothes Week community. Dory is really into making things. She's been stitching and blogging at Tumbling Blocks since her daughter, her now teenage daughter, was a tiny girl. For her, writing code and building websites is a creative endeavor. She's happy to have banded together with Meg to create an online home for the Kids Clothes Week community. Dory, Meg, welcome. Hi. Hi, thank you. Meg, let's start with you. You're an old timer in the craft blog world like me. When did you start Elsie Marley and what were you blogging about when you first began? Wow. Um, I think I started in 2007, um, which I, does make me old. Um, but I was so I, I started sort of the same way I'm doing it now, just um, writing about things that I've made. Um, I was just a brand new sewer when I started, so... The things I made were not very good, but um, that's where I started, and that's where I've kept going. And what kinds of things were you making? What were those those few those beginning sewing projects? Um, I started with a quilt, which was stupid, um, and uh, for a friend of mine who had just recently gotten married, and I think that was my first sewing project. Um, and after that I made toys like you for, and I think that's how we connected. Yeah, I think so. I remember like a particular toy that had, it might've been an elephant. He was sort of denim and he had a mustache. Yes. You were way ahead of the mustache craze. Um, yeah. And I made, I made silly toys and, and, and I found, I found it difficult to tell anyone in real life that I did that, but I found it much easier to tell people online. (laughs) And then how did you start? making clothes for your kids? Um, I don't, I think there was a, um, soul mama came out with a book ages ago and there was a, I don't remember if there was a pattern particularly, or if it was just sort of instructions on how to make little pants out of t-shirts. Oh yeah. I remember those. She would trace her kids' pants and then use like thrift store t-shirts and make them new pants. Yep. So that was the very, and I made it when my now seven-year-old son, he was, um, just a toddler, just a baby then. I think he wasn't even one. So I think that was one of the first things I made. And then, um, just sort of got obsessed by it and it found it to just be incredibly pleasurable to, to make my own kids clothes. And do you make clothes for yourself too, or just for kids? Um, I do a little bit. I'm actually wearing something right now that I made, which is, um, unusual, but, um, I, my kids are just noodles. They're just one straight rectangle. And so it's much easier and 
much more forgiving to make clothes for them than to make clothes for me. Um, but I'm trying, I'm trying to make more clothes for myself. That's super awesome. Um, and Dory, when did you start Humbling Blocks and how have you kind of worked together with Meg? Did you um, sort of start as a member or, you know, somebody who, who joined in with Kids Clothes Week and then kind of um, kind of got behind it and, and created a new site for it? So what, what was your story there? Uh, let's see. So I've been blogging at Tumbling Blocks since 2007, 2006, somewhere there. And I guess at some point during, uh, you know, online crafty, life, uh, Meg and I, you know, started that sort of online friendship that builds, uh, slowly over years over blog posts. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I made something called Quilter, which is an online tool for organizing and, uh, designing quilts. And I, I thought I liked where I was going with it, but I wasn't entirely sure. And so I ran it by Meg before I posted about it, and she gave me some really good feedback about it. And that was mostly from a sort of like, well, who do I know that likes cool stuff and has like a really good eye for design? And I was like, oh, I think Meg does. So um, from there, I did a different sort of follow-up post about, well, why would I bother making this quilting tool? Nobody asked me to make it. I just wanted to make it. And the answer to that is, um, I think it's going to get his first name wrong, but his last name is Pink. And there's a really cool YouTube video he has. But anyway, the point is, why do people do anything? What motivates people? And there are these underlying things of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And from those three things, Meg and I started um, a new conversation. And that conversation was about Kids Clothes Week and uh, what else we could do with that. And you, so do you have a background in like website design and in building websites? I mean, how did you have the skills to build Quilter? Yes, that is what I do professionally. So that, that is my background. And I always figured if I ever had a little bit of extra time, what I would build is Quilter. And then uh, we moved from one state to another and I decided not to start looking for a job right away, but to instead take some time and um, hone some particular web skills and build the thing I wanted to build. Okay, cool. So um, so what did you do for Kids Clothes Week? I know it sort of originally lived on Meg's blog. And then I remember there was um, a post saying, we've got a new blog. We're, you know, we're moving to a new site. And if you want to participate in Kids Clothes Week, come on over and check it out. So what did you make on this new site? Like, what was the vision for it? And what does it provide to people who sign up? Um, well, that was actually a sort of a year of conversations before that post even came up. Um, so Dory and I went back and forth rather slowly at first, sort of like, here's this thing and we could do it and it could be something fun and it could be something that, um, like she said, gives us, you know, the sort of autonomy and, and feeling of mastery over something, um, and purpose. Um, and so there were a lot of conversations about, um, what direction we wanted to go and what, um, just what we wanted to build and what it could be. Um, so we, so Dory built this uh, an entire website which is the entire community um and to be honest well let's first first there are it's so much more complicated to talk about um 
a website that is that people use and interact with uh, than it is to build a blog. And there are so many more um, connections and um, just conversations to have that I had no idea had to had to happen. And Dory, thankfully, did know had to happen. So um, we built this the kidscloseweek.com, the site, um, and then sort of afterthought, oh, wait, we also, there's also a blog. <laughs> and so we had to put together a blog really quickly, too, to sort of communicate all the things that we had done with the site. Yeah, it was a sort of silly moment where we went, oh, oh, how will we talk to people? We better get the blog going, too. <laughs> but really, that, that whole year of talking was really important because um, we, had, we had a lot of conversations about what we wanted to do, how we wanted people to be able to post their projects all in one place and to see other people's projects and to have them organized by patterns and to just have a space that felt like it was where Kids Clothes Week belonged. And, you know, we had conversations that were really great conversations that we didn't end up doing or haven't done yet, but the whole process of talking about it was really key to having it go forward. And how many people are signed up now? Like how many people, I know you have to kind of register, you know, pick a username and all of that sort of thing. Um, so, so how many people are in there now? There are about 2000 users. Wow. That's amazing. And is there like discussion space inside there or are there plans for that? That, that is a conversation, an ongoing conversation. Um, because it, it it's something we do want to integrate, but we see, we feel like it, it exists other places right now. Like mostly it exists on Facebook and within other people's blogs. Um, but yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of forums in other places. We've seen them fail. We've seen them done well. So it's still a conversation we're having. And if people are, are super excited about it and want it to happen, then that's something we can give them, I think. Is there also a Kids Clothes Week presence on Facebook? Is there a Facebook group? Yes. Well, there's a Facebook um, page. And then on that page, um, people tend to post things. I During Kids Clothes Week, I ask questions every day about how things are going. And so there are conversations that way. It was, it was funny because Kids Clothes Week was, yes, on my blog, but it was also had a big presence on, on Flickr. Um, and so Flickr was a great place for photos, but that Flickr has sort of been slowly dying away from people's you know, experience as Instagram has, has come up and, um, and then people are using, hopefully using kids clothes week to put their pictures up there. But Flickr also had a discussion, um, area that was very helpful. And so that has sort of transferred to, to Facebook. So transferring something that exists already in, in, and I just really threw it together when it started was just like, Oh, here's this thing. And, and here's another thing and let's do it. Um, so taking that sort of mismatch and then making it proper, making it something a little more formal, um, was a little more difficult than I anticipated. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I bet it was because first of all, there's so many platforms, um, and people are spread out and each one mm-hmm. has its advantages and disadvantages. As you said, the nice thing about Flickr was that discussion space below the photos and yeah. there were threads there. So that gave you that forum mm-hmm. type of feeling. But now that Flickr is really waning, it's, it's difficult to know, you know, how to put it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, interesting. But I think it's impressive that there's so many users. Um, what do you think it is about Kids Clothes Week that has made it into this movement? Um, I think that we all have 
uh, just lists in our head of the things that we want to make. And sometimes it's time, you know, sometimes it's time constraints. We can't do them. Sometimes it's, um, well, a lot of times it's motivation. Um, but, um, it's just the idea that it's just a week. It's just an hour. I can do that. I can carve out an hour for myself and I can do that seven days in a row. And by the end, I'll have something, I'll have something to show for it. And then I can sit back down and yeah. pat myself on the back. It makes and that, it it's a good feeling. Good. Yeah. Um, I love the sort of, I mean, I love the tone of your writing, Megan. I love the sort of realistic um, posts that you have sometimes during kids' clothes week where you're like, yeah, well, I, um, you know, I have this pile of stuff I got from the thrift store and I've got some plans to make some pants, but it's been crazy. You know, like it's not, it's not this totally polished, you know, crazy, ambitious, like how did she pull that off feeling? It's more like, this is my life and this is my world and I'm, you know, creative and I'm going to work on this, but you know, it's not, um, I'm not just like pulling this completed, finished, gorgeous project with smiling, beautiful children, like, you know, pulling it off in five minutes. Yeah. And that exists. That's a lot of a lot of people make absolutely gorgeous things and, and show them and, and it's wonderful to look at them, but it, it also is very intimidating and it's intimidating for me and I've been sewing for a long time. So I think with kids clothes week, um, what we want people, um, to see and, and what we hope that they feel is that if I just put in a little bit of time and a little bit of effort every day, that sort of adds up. And it, it builds this um, creative momentum. And what has been so amazing to me is that you the, the momentum is actually palpable through the computer. Um, that that the the pool in the project pool in Kids Clothes Week starts to fill up, and you start to feel excited and inspired, and the hour becomes easier to take for yourself to sew. And do you feel like, or have you heard any stories of sort of? I don't know, people who have really launched something and were, um, got their start by joining in kids clothes week. In other words, then they became, you know, a blogger or they started designing patterns or they, you know, sort of took it that original sort of inspiration seed of inspiration that they got from kids clothes, clothes week. They took it to some level. That's been really amazing to watch. It has. There, I, I've been surprised that that people say offhandedly, "Kids Clothes Week" is what got me um, sewing again, or sewing for the first time, or nervous. You know, they overcome their overcame their nervousness about joining the online sewing community. And once, of course, you overcome that, you you find out that everyone is welcoming and wonderful and um, helpful in every way. So, yeah, it's been, there have been many people who've emailed me telling me that or said it just sort of offhandedly in a blog post. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. What a, well, kudos to you guys, because what a great, you know, sort of thing to, to, to bring to everybody. Um, I love it. I don't actually sew clothes for my kids, but I love the idea. (laughs) Um, but I absolutely love the idea of kids clothes week as a movement and as a participatory, um, experience for people and to get, people to be more creative, take time for themselves and make something that's great for their children. I think it's fantastic. So, so Meg, when does the next kids clothes week challenge start? The next kids clothes week challenge starts, um, April 7th and it goes seven days. So it goes from April 7th to April 13th. And we, you can sign up, um, right now on the kids clothes week site. 
Awesome. That sounds great. I hope people, I hope listeners join in. It sounds like a really fun way to kick off your creativity. So I'm, I'm inspired by, by the project. Today's episode is brought to you by Eucalyn. For over 20 years, Eucalyn's simple soak and spin delicate wash has been the preferred choice for your handmade creations. This non-toxic solution is formulated without petrochemicals, bleach, or optical brighteners, making it safe and gentle for everything from baby items to quilts, hand knits, and lingerie. Infused with beneficial essential oils of either eucalyptus, lavender, grapefruit, jasmine, or an unscented version, there's an option for everyone. The best feature is that it's a no-rinse formula, saving you time and money while preserving the life of your special garments. Look for Eucalyn in your local yarn, quilt, or lingerie shop. My daughter, Stella, has a very special shark hat she wears all winter. We hand-washed it with Eucalyn wash the other day. She chose the grapefruit scent, and it was really nice. It has a mild citrusy smell, and her special hat really got clean. I would definitely use Eucalyn to hand-wash a special garment or softy. Thanks, Eucalyn, for sponsoring the podcast. All right, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the awesome lists of great things you guys have sent over. I asked you to each um, pick five cool things, could be related to absolutely anything, um, things, just things you love right now, uh, could be sewing related or not, um, and just to share them with me. So we're going to start with you, Dory. You actually and Meg both had the same one on your list, which is Trello. So what is Trello? I don't actually know anything about it. Sure. Uh, Trello is an online task management tool, and it's something that Meg and I started using um, during this last round of Kids Close Week website work. And, uh, you know, it's kind of nice for us. We get um, these really definite periods of work time between the Kids Close Week seasons, which are, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall. And in between there, we try to decide on what we want to focus on and work on and then do that work. And using Trello has been great because um, it, it's a task management tool, but it's very simple. So it's you look at it and it's all visual. You see lists and the lists are organized in panels. And when you add a task, that task shows up as a little card within the panel. And you can create panels for work that's done, work that I'm doing, work that I want to do before the next season. And it's given us a lot of visibility into what the other person was working on. You know, we talk regularly, we talk once a week about what we want to do, but actually being able to see the other person working is helpful because it reminds us of little things that we might have meant to do for the other person. It's kept us organized and it doesn't take, you don't have to get really involved with the interface. You know, the interface isn't ruling how you behave. You're just using the interface to get stuff done. And you guys don't live in the same city, right? No. (laughs) No, Uh, I'm in Michigan. And I'm in Wisconsin. Okay. So so when you talk weekly, that's a phone conversation? Uh, FaceTime. Oh, it's FaceTime. Okay, even better. Um, Okay, so this helps you to um, see what each other is working on, complete tasks, and keep each other updated on, on how things are going in that downtime between seasons. Yeah. yeah, and another great thing about Trello is that you can move um, you can move all the to do items around. So if you can have as many lists as you want, and um, when you you know we have like a doing list and a done list, so you can move um, things to the done list and then 
Um, but move them around between dates you want to do things. Um, and I find that really helpful. And you can also comment on all of the cards that you create. So if Dory puts something up and I have something to add to it, I can tell her in a comment on that specific item. So what would be an example of some of the items or some of the lists that you have going? Oh, let's see. So right now, what are the things we're working on? Okay, so we just went through the process of putting our sponsors for the next season up on the website So and changing all the colors over. So we had uh, a card for getting the new color images ready. We had a card for putting those images on the website. And I could see like when Meg moved her card over that then it was going to be ready for me. Before using Trello, we were just using Google Drive, and it felt like you had to dig for your list. Like it was just in drive someplace and like finding it seemed laborious and just having them up there in Trello made it a lot easier to, to, to look at and to visualize. And this is, is this a free app that you can get on your desktop and as, and also on your mobile devices? Uh, it's free. I've only used it on the desktop. I, I would assume that they have a mobile as well, but I just use it on desktop. Okay. I watched a little video this morning to try to see like what it was about. And it looked as though you could do it on the iPad. Um, or I think, I think, you oh, yeah. 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 So that's good. Cause you can take it with you. So you could work on it if you were away from home or away from your home computer. That sounds great. It sounds like a good tool for collaborating, um, on all kinds of different projects. And it's great that it's free too. Yeah. So that's a good one. All right. Um, Meg, you wanted to talk about mock-ups and I have to say this is M O Q U P S <laughs> mock-ups. Um, I think I'm saying that right. And I, I did look it up trying to do a little background research before, um, we recorded the show. <laughs> Seriously, I didn't understand it at all. So fill me in. Yeah, no, honestly, I probably didn't understand it when I, um, first started either, but, um, I have extremely limited, um, HTML experience and, um, building a website is, is, is quite beyond me. Um, but, but I, I know what I want and I know what I like. So, um, Dory gave me the task of, of really designing, uh, the kids close week website. Um, but honestly, what, what I wanted to do was just draw it. Um, and uh, while that's, you know, one way to do it, uh, a, a more, an easier way to do it was to use mockups. So mo- what mockups is, is a, a wire framing device, which I didn't really know what that meant when, when I first heard it either. Um, but uh, what you can do is, is they have, they have sort of set images and set groups of things that you'll want to use on your website. Um, our website has multiple pages, different kinds of pages, different forms you need to use, um, profile pages, editing pages. So there's a lot of, of um, things that had to be designed and built. So in order for me to um, show Dory what I wanted so she could actually build the thing, um, what mockups helped to do was so I could take from their bank of sort of um, stock, let's say not images, but, um, items that you would need. So they would have say, um, a little form where you input your name. So you could drag that over and and place that on the site on the um, page that you're working on in a certain area. Um, and if you wanted a divider in one area or an image specifically one size in one area, 
Um, so it's sort of like you have a bunch of puzzle pieces and you can move those puzzle pieces around um, and and then show someone else what you've done. And they can take that and then you can take that as as your designing sort of basis and then move on from there and create the actual site. Does that make sense? Yeah. How cool is that? It's like building blocks. So it's exactly, yeah, you have all the pieces of website and you can just play with them and then come up with a design that you like. And then, then your, the, the, your web designer can use that as the basis for, for actually making the site. Exactly. And, and it's helpful to, I think, not just with, um, creating something large, but if you want to sort of rethink your blog and how it's laid out and how you want people to interact with it, I think it would be a good tool just to be able to play around with that and see how things could work together. Um, because I find it difficult to, I, I constantly feel like I want to redesign what I'm working on. Um, but you're starting sort of, you know, you're starting with something. You're not starting from zero. So mockups is a great way to go sort of back to zero um, and and use those tools and those building blocks to um, rethink something completely. Yeah, it's like a blank piece of paper. Exactly. It's like you knock the whole building down and then you can rebuild it without... You're right, because when I go into to redesign parts of my blog, I'm always sort of like, well, the column is over here. I could move it over there. But you, you, what if there were no columns? Like, what if, you know, what if it was totally different? And it's difficult to get away from what's already there and right. start with a blank sheet. And if you're not super proficient in, um, in designing websites, it's difficult to imagine what it was, what it would be like, um, if it was one way or another way. So mockups was extremely helpful and continues to be useful for us, actually. That's super interesting. I'd never heard of it. And I think now that I see what it is, I think that would be a great tool. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about peak, which is something brand new to me. Um, and it's totally free and it's basically user testing for your website. So, um, what you do is you sign up by putting in your, uh, web address and hit send, and it goes to the people at peak who send it out to a real person who, um, records five minute video and audio of that person experiencing your website for the first time. And they go through a series of prompts and questions during that five-minute time where they're sort of interacting with it and looking at it and just telling you what they think. So it it would be like if your, you know, uncle came over and sat down and and just looked at your site for five minutes and and kind of just talked you through what he was seeing. Um, And it's super interesting and helpful in a lot of ways. Um, I do think you need a little bit of a thick skin (laughs) because (laughs) sometimes the person who randomly was assigned to your website has no idea anything at all about crafting or sewing or blogs or anything. So um, you can even put in, you know, if you have an Etsy shop or whatever, you can put any site into this. Um, It takes about a day for it to come back. They say two or three hours, but in my experience, it was more like a day. Um, I did my blog. You can do, I think, three sites a month. I'm going to do my Etsy shop as well and, and maybe something else too. But um, so, so I did it. I got my peak video back. I was a little nervous to watch it. Um, one of the things that was really interesting was at the top um, in the you know, uh, the banner on my blog, it says, um, while she naps, which is the name of my blog. And then it says, um, sewing stuffed animals and running a creative business. Okay. So to me, that makes total sense. But the woman, uh, who did my peak video, um, she wanted that to be like a sentence. So she's like, while she naps, 
sewing stuffed animals that doesn't flow as a sentence. Like she couldn't understand. And that wasn't, I had like, I would never have seen that. Um, and then in nowhere does it say that it's a blog. Like I don't say a blog about just, you know, I assume you look at it and you know, it's a blog. She was like three minutes in. She's like, I think this is a blog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, you know, so like you do have to have a little bit of thick skin, like I said, but honestly, like this was really great feedback for me. Um, so now I'm like, well, maybe I should say a blog about, or maybe I should make it very clear that one's the title and it's not supposed to be a sentence in the, you know, in the banner. So right. anyway, um, I like it. It's P E E K. And, um, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to give it a try. Cause it's totally free. Why not? You have nothing to lose. Um, so yeah, see, Sounds see awesome. what it's like user testing. Cool. Um, okay. So Dory, we're back up to you. You, um, wanted to talk about a party. It's a cup, not a cup party. So what is that? Yeah. Cup, not a cup party. So we have a friend who has this party called the cup, not a cup party. And if you want to drink anything at the party, you have to bring a cup, but it can't be an actual cup. And so you get a lot of people (laughs) doing things like, you know, hollowing out, um, a coconut or a cantaloupe, any sort of thing like there's my husband's working on a drinking gourd. Um, so there are things that you could drink out of a hat or a shoe, but those are kind of gross, you know, so you try to find something that's, that you could hold liquid in that is not actually a cup. And so it's a fun idea, like for grown up people, if you're having boozy sorts of drinks, but it also, I think it'd be a really fun kids party idea too. And you can make like tiny cups out of hollowing cucumbers. I think I had that at a restaurant once, but you know, just any sort of, you get creative with what you can put liquid in that maybe then you could also eat after. It's a fun sort of thing. I love it. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think, what can I hollow out to make into a cup? Um, yeah. And, you know, you won't have that need for those that's my wine tags, you know? Right. Because if you're drinking from a shoe, clearly that's yours. You that's know? my shoe, yeah. It's, it's really easy to tell whose drink is which. That's hilarious. Uh, uh, and people want to get really creative with it because, you know, you don't want to show up with the same cup as somebody else. So, Yeah. That's a cup, not a cup faux pas. Yeah. (laughs) That that is so funny. That's a great idea. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, Meg, you wanted to talk about um, headspace. Yes. This is not as fun as a party uh, (laughs) at all. (laughs) But but it is incredibly helpful. It's um, headspace is... Um, I, now I, I should have written down who the, who the man behind it is. And I haven't, and I can't remember his name now. Um, he wrote a book, I think called headspace as well that I, that my husband gave to me. That was, that's great. It's about, it's about meditation. Um, and it, it's a very formulaic, um, and systematic way of meditating. Um, it's very simple. It's very approachable. And actually it's very much like kids close wake. Um, so what, and Headspace has a beautiful app, um, that I use and their website is not as beautiful, which is too bad, but, um, the, the main purpose or the main tenant is just to, to sit down, um, in a chair and meditate. And, um, it's a guided meditation, um, for 10 minutes a day and it's just 10 minutes. And the first sort of challenge um, is to do it for 10 days in a row, I think. 
and then um, you can build on from there. And the man who does it is, he was a monk for a long time. He, um, he meditated in just all over the world in so many different ways and places. And um, he's just um, a really kind, sort of energetic um, man who just, who just tells you to, you know, breathe basically. And um, which I needed to be reminded to do um, for 10 minutes every day. So I think it's, it's a really wonderful way to start your day. And it's, um, it's just a great way to, to relax and to access parts of you that you, you didn't know you had. So you, you, um, put headphones on and you listen, um, and he guides you through the meditation. Is that right? Yes. It sounds floofier than it is. It's really just sit in a chair and just be quiet. Right. So I did it based on Meg's recommendation. And one of the things about it is, um, it's really not mystic. Like you have, you, if you have any preconceived ideas about meditation, like it's not, there are no chimes there. It's just a guy talking and it's, it's really nice. Yeah. That sounds great. Meg, when do you do it? Um, I do it in the morning when I wake up. And what about you, Dory? Are you still doing it? No, I did the 10 day and then I did the 10 day again at a different time. And I think every so often I just go and do the 10 day. Uh huh. I'm pretty much on repeat. We're both, you know, we're both cheapskates. We won't pay for the full subscription. <laughs> I see. Just I see. There's a subscription model too, but you can just go back and repeat the the, the ten day. I am, but I, I I have just repeated the ten day. But there, but it is sort of intriguing because there's um, they they have longer sort of month long models that are based on or that that have a certain theme. Like creativity is unlocking your creativity is one theme. Um, so it's almost intriguing enough to pay for the subscription. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I firmly believe in these apps that talk to you like that. I, um, did couch to 5k, which is a similar sort of thing. It's not free, but it's like 2.99 in the app store. And, um, I did it two years ago and, um, basically, you know, you start out walking and then they sort of incrementally, um, help you run for short stretches until you're running a 5k and it takes like two months and you go, um, you know, a couple times a week. Um, and I've been running 5k four days a week ever since then. It was like the thing that I needed to get started and I don't listen to it anymore, but I did listen to it for the first, you know, like maybe three or four months. Um, and it was so great. So I, I love people talking to me in my headphones. It's like exactly what I need. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Um, okay. That's super. So I was going to talk about, um, unsplash. So I, uh, on my blog, I write a lot about entrepreneurship for creative people. And so a lot of my posts are sort of, you know, text rich kind of talking about tips and ideas and, um, you know, that sort of thing. And I don't necessarily, it's not really about, you know, Hey, I made this stuffed hippo and you know, here's what it looks like. And it's really cute. And there's obvious photos to go along with the post. It's more, you know, theoretical and there aren't really great ideas. I don't really have great ideas for what photo to include. Um, but I want to, photo. I think a photo is a great way to draw people in and, um, capture their attention in the beginning part of a blog post. So I signed up for this, um, free email subscription called unsplash every 10 days, 
they send you 10 photos. They're all high-resolution photos, and you can do whatever you want with them. So there's no restrictions on them, and they're gorgeous. So, you know, you get photos of a lot of them are landscapes, of bridges, mountaintops, um, little, like, pathways, wildflowers, dogs, people, all kinds of things. Um, I save them all in a folder, so I, like, pull them off. Uh, the email and um, put them in a folder and, you know, name them something like, you know, path at dawn or whatever. So I know a little bit about what they are. And then when I've written one of these posts, like I wrote a post last week about delegating. Um, so sort of how to, you know, assign tasks, small tasks um, that your business really needs to have done to somebody else who might be able to do them better or faster or just do them for you so that you don't have to use your precious free time to do to do them. Um, so the beginning part of the post I wrote about my neighbor, my next door neighbor, who they have two poodles um, and they hire a van, a mobile van to come. Uh, twice a month and wash their dogs in the van. <laughs> so the, the dog washing van pulls up and dogs come out and they go in the van and they get washed and get their nails clipped and everything else. They come out, they're all like gorgeous and, and how it's so worth it to hire someone else to wash your dog. So, um, so anyway, from Unsplash, I had this really adorable photo of a dog and, um, used that as the illustration and people were like, Oh, we love the dog. So I, I think it was really worth it to, to sign up for this. And it made a great illustration for basically, a I mean, a post that otherwise I wouldn't really have anything to illustrate, um, with it. So, uh, so Unsplash, I'll put a link in the show notes. You, if you want to sign up, uh, it's great. Get some new photos. Just don't use the same ones I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a lot by now, so it's okay. Um, all right, so that's Unsplash. Um, Dory, we're back up to you. So this is a video. Speaking of dogs and cats, this is called Trololo. Trololo cat? Yeah. So, you know, I, there's nothing new about a cat video on the internet, right? So probably everybody watches a fair amount of cat videos, but this is this is a really pretty cute cat video. It's kind of... I don't know, my family's cat video of the week, maybe. Um, so a trollolo cat is a cat, and he's uh, sitting on a guy, and the guy is kind of scratching his rump. And whenever, and they, they, they synced up an audio thing to it so that whenever the guy scratches his rump, the cat moves its mouth, but they made it look like the cat is singing, like, trollolo, and it's just hysterical to watch. Um, I will say I watched it this morning. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so the cat has like an instinctual thing or something, right? Like you touch yeah. it on its back and it starts like looking like a singer. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah, you scratch the kitty, he sings a little song for you. It's very funny. I think my kids would be very entertained. I will show it to them this afternoon. Yeah, right? Yeah, total. That's what the internet's for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least me. So, uh, yeah, that and awesome sewn items, right? Right. I mean, right. Of course, that as well. Um, okay. So, Meg, you wanted to talk about a recipe for chicken adobo. Um, yes. I. Um, this is just something that I've I've made a lot recently for myself and actually for um, a friend of mine. And I have three kids. And, um, and a husband and they, um, could not stop talking about how much they loved it. And why was I going to make it tomorrow? And will I make it the next day? And when am I going to make it again? Um, and it's from a cookbook by, um, Lynn Rosetta Casper, the woman who does, um, Splendid Table on NPR. And it was her first book. It came out. Well, no, it wasn't her first book, but it was a popular book that came out. Let's see. 
probably three, three or four years ago, and it's called How to Eat Supper. I think she has a sequel out now to that. Um, and it's just dead easy, and but so good and so strange and different. And um, it's a Filipino dish, and, it, and it's um, just chicken thighs, but it's then um, like a cup and a half of vinegar. It's like an obscene amount of vinegar um, and then some tomatoes and garlic and bay leaves and stuff like that. And you just let it simmer for a half an hour. And you think by putting that much vinegar in it, it would be the most disgusting thing ever, but it's actually absolutely beautiful. Totally. (laughs) At the end of the recipe, okay, you've simmered this chicken in a liquid and afterwards you take it out and then you sear it on in a pan. I thought that was really unusual because usually you're searing the chicken and then you put it in the liquid. I've never seen one where you put it in the liquid first and then sear it at the end and then serve. Yeah, it's great. And so you take the, you simmer it for a little while and then you take the chicken out and then you boil the sauce down. So it's just this thick, syrupy, vinegary and sweet sauce. Um, And, um, and yeah, and then you sear the chicken in, in oil or butter and yeah, and so it's crispy and saucy and sweet and tangy. It's just, it's totally delicious. That sounds great. I'm going to make it next week. I love to cook, so that's perfect. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really good. And I actually love vinegar. I'm like a crazy vinegar hound. So. Oh, so do I. So do I. I put vinegar, like straight vinegar, on a lot of things that other people probably would think is gross, but I love it. Um, okay, great. Uh, so I wanted to talk about... Um, a book, actually. It's Nancy Zeman's autobiography. Um, you might know about Nancy Zeman from watching Sewing with Nancy on PBS, which is yeah. uh, 30 yeah. years in running. Um, so this book is called... She's based in Madison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's right. So, uh, this book is called Seems Unlikely. Seems is S-E-A-M-S, like a seam. Um, and yeah, so she's a Midwestern girl and Nancy is somebody I totally admire. Um, you know, before there was Craftsy, before there was Creative Bug, before there was any online sewing community, um, Nancy Zeman, you know, she, she like took the helm and I think her skills are unbeatable. I learned something new every single time I was watching sewing with Nancy last night and <laughs> learned something totally new. Um, I have one of her books and I, I just think she's awesome. When I first became a mom, before I started while she naps, um, I would sit and nurse a very fussy, very tiny four pound baby and watch sewing with Nancy like over and over again. And so she's sort of in, embedded in my head. And this book, um, is great. It, uh, first she talks quite a bit about her face. Nancy's face is asymmetrical. She has Bell's palsy. Um, and she talks very openly about how that happened, what effect it's had on her life, how it's, uh, driven her to work even harder and what it's like to be, you know, a TV star and have this very obvious deformity. Um, and it's, I love and appreciate her honesty about that. And she also talks about, you know, learning to sew and learning to demonstrate sewing through 4-H. Um, she lived in a farm town and, the Midwest and, um, 4-H was like her ticket to, um, to her career. And it's just really fascinating. You know, Nancy is not, um, a really eloquent writer. She just writes like she talks. Um, she has a co-writer who helped her with the book as well, but so it's not like really eloquent prose. It's very sort of straight up, but I love it. And I find it really interesting. I'm, I have maybe 30 pages left. I'll write a full review of it on my blog next week when I'm finished. But, um, I really recommend Nancy Zeman's autobiography if you're 
if you're at all interested in sewing and careers as a businesswoman and mom in sewing, uh, it's a great book. I just actually checked out a, a book of hers called 101 Sewing Notions, um, and it's phenomenal. It's just great. Yeah. I mean, Nancy's notions is like the, you know, so she has sort of two arms. She's got this media arm where she produces these and demonstrates these shows. Um, but that, that arm of her business, you know, she pays PBS to film those shows. So it doesn't make money, oh um, which is, I found was fascinating. Um, people are always like, Oh, you must get paid for these shows. She's like, no, we pay, we pay for airtime. <laughs> um, and, and then she has Nancy's notions, which is what, you know, the catalog and where she sells all of the products. And, you know, she started like in the basement and, um, Working next to her washing machine, um, her husband worked has always worked with her. Uh, he left his job to help her when orders started to come in, and she promoted those items from Nancy's Notions on TV. And so it was they one feeds the other. The sort of education part of the on the show feeds the business part, and always has. And I think it's so fascinating to see, you know, as a blogger who also, I mean, I sell patterns and specialty supplies for making stuffed animals and dolls. So um, not that I'm comparing myself to Nancy Seaman, but I'm a person who does sort of an education arm on my blog and then also has a business piece. And so it, I just love to see somebody who's really made a name for herself. And then she had a, she had like a, a warehouse in the chicken coop on her uh, in-law's farm. That was where their warehouse was as it grew and just really a great story. So. I recommend it. Um, all right. So, Dory, we are up to you. Your last pick is also a recipe. I love all the recipes. So, pot of beans from the January 2014 issue of Bon Appetit. Yes. So, this is kind of Bon Appetit's, and it's kind of my sister-in-law's. My sister-in-law is trying to has been trying for a long time to make me stop using canned beans and just cook the beans for goodness sake because you get better beans. They taste better. And I've done it some and she even got me a really nice little cast iron pot from Ikea to do it in. But then this recipe from Bon Appetit kind of makes it a little bit easier because it's more of an un-recipe than a recipe. It says, so you have these kind of beans if you throw in, like, jalapenos and onion and um, oregano, that's a good idea. Or you have this pot of beans, and if you throw in a Parmesan rind and rosemary, that's a good idea. So it's just kind of making combinations that make it a little bit better. And the, the whole point of it is cooking it slowly. And if you're a person who works at home like I do or is home more often, it's really easy to just, you know, put it on a few hours before dinner and then have it. Or if you're a person who works outside of the home, you can do the same sort of thing in a crock pot. And um, the Bon Appetit recipe's whole deal is that, hey, you don't have to soak the beans, except I really like soaking the beans anyway, because um, I think it's better. It makes it easier to digest. So it's like a combination of stuff my sister-in-law told me to do, and she would always tell me to soak my beans, and um, and this, this recipe that gives just... Um, a few flavor combinations to make uh, the beans that are cooking a real long time have a, a deeper flavor. That's super. And is it is this a recipe that we can post? Like, I'm wondering. Uh, they usually have recipes online. Yeah, I, I should go look for it. It's in the methods section in the back of the magazine, okay. but I bet it's out there. Okay, that sounds great. Um, yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, okay, so Meg, you wanted to talk about Feed the Head. And I did try to feed the head this morning. Um, 
for a few minutes, but tell us more about it. Be the head is awesome. Um, it's, it's a, I, I just, just when I sent it to you noticed that they also have, um, an online version so you can play it quietly at work. Um, or, uh, uh, I play it on, or my children, I should say, play it on my phone. Um, it's like they, now I can't remember the people who made it. Um, they have a funny name, but, um, oh, by Vector Park. So they have, they have Feed the Head and they also have Windmill, Windmill, I think, which is another game that they have, um, at the, on the App Store. Anyway, it's, it's not like any game where you shoot things or you're chasing things. Um, it's like avant-garde art. It's beautiful and interactive and awesome. And um, there is sort of a way to win, but it's not really winning. It, the head just sort of flies away at the end. I mean, it's just beautiful. You have to, you can take out, it's graphically, it's beautiful. And, and to play it is beautiful. It's just like an art and you have to sort of find out what to do and, and try everything. You can take out the head's eyeball and feed it to him. You can take his nose off. You feed him things and other things come out of his head and strange things happen. And those things then interact with each other. And then the head runs away. It's just, it's, it sounds really bizarre and it is, and it's beautiful, which makes it, I think just the perfect game. That's super. Do you know if it's free? I think it is. Is it free? I'm pretty sure it's free. Okay. Yeah. And their other game is lovely as well. My kids really love that. And you can play it on the iPad or your phone or, or the computer. That sounds great. Yeah. I'm going to, I just played it on the computer, but I'm going to download it to the iPad because, um, yeah, that my kids are, could use a more artistic game. <laughs> They're sort of Minecraft obsessed right now. So um, this sounds good. Uh, and, and my last pick is, um, stitch fix. Have you guys heard about this? No. Okay. So, um, I like to wear really nice clothes, but I don't like to go shopping because I don't have time. Um, I like you, Meg, I have three kids and I run a business and I, have such limited free time that I just can't make myself go to anthro and look around and try stuff on. It's just, I can't do it. So, um, what ends up happening is I wear like the same old beat up sweater <laughs> for years, but past the time when I should be wearing it. Um, and so I've always said like, I need somebody to come and like, you know, look at what I have and what I like, and then just buy stuff for me and I'll try it on and they can take away the stuff I don't like. And that's basically what stitch fix is. So it's an online, um, subscription, or you can just schedule it as a one-time thing. You fill out a really comprehensive, um, sort of survey where they ask you all about your style preferences and they show you different boards with different kinds of clothing, accessories, shoes, et cetera. And you rank them, you know, whether you like some of the things in there, all of them, not none of them, which ones are your style. Um, you put in your size, um, whether you have pierced ears, what jewelry you wear, whether you do wear scarves, don't wear scarves. I mean, it's pretty extensive. It takes a little time to fill out. Um, and then from there you pay $20 
And that fee is for a stylist to choose clothing that meets your uh, preferences. So she will pick out um, five items, and it can be a mix of clothes, tops and bottoms, accessories, dresses, whatever. And then they schedule a time, then they mail it to you in a box. Okay, so you get it in the box, and you have three days to try it on. Um, They explain to you what you've gotten. There's the nice little cards inside that show you how to wear the items, like what they might look nice with. They give you suggestions. Um, So you try all of the things on. And if you keep, let's say like my first box came maybe two weeks ago, I really liked one of the tops. So I decided to keep it. The $20 that I paid gets applied toward the price of that top. So if the top was like $50, Okay, I've already paid 20 so I just pay 30 to keep that top. And then anything you don't want, you put into a prepaid U.S. Postal Service envelope that comes in the box. You just flip, you know, stick it all in there. You can leave it on your doorstep because here, at least, my postman comes and picks things right up from my doorstep. So it's so easy. I don't have to go to the post office or to the UPS store or anything like that. So they come and take it, and it goes back, and you're not charged for any of those things. If you keep all five, you get 20% off the total. Um, but there's no pressure to do that. So you don't have to keep anything if you don't want to. Um, and I signed up for the subscription so that every once a month I get a new stitch fix box that comes. And so I can just continually get at least some nice item, new item of clothing that I actually really like without ever having to go to the mall. So love it. (laughs) And have you liked it? Yeah. Uh, What was your question? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so what's like the ratio of stuff that you decided to keep or not keep? Like, were they pretty good at it? Yeah. You know, it was interesting. So, so there were no pants in mine. <laughs> I don't know if I'm like, cause I'm kind of petite. I don't know whether like they didn't have short pants around or what, but, um, I will shorten them. I should have put that in there. Like I am okay with shortening my pants, but anyway, um, so there were only top, there was a scarf and four tops. Um, and, you know, there was only one that I was like, mm, I would never wear this. Um, the other two, I was like, you know, I might wear this, but I know that I probably won't wear it all the time. So I don't want to keep it, you know. Um, and then the one that I did keep, I wore the other day. And my family was like, it's gorgeous. We love it. So <laughs> I think they were just shocked to see me in something new. But <laughs> yeah, so it was good, though. I recommend it. It's fun. And it would be a fun gift for someone, too. Um, I think you can give it as a gift. So, you know. I like it. It's be good for someone like my sister just had a baby, her first baby, and she's going just went back to work last week. So she signed up for it because, you know, she's sort of out of her maternity clothes now and wanted some fresh things. And so it's been really good for a new mom, too. Um, all right, you guys, this has been fantastic talking with you. Um, Meg, where can we find you and Kids Clothes Week online? Um, I... My blog is Elsie Marley, elsiemarley.com. Um, and Kids Clothes Week is just kidsclothesweek.com. And then the blog for Kids Clothes Week is blog.kidsclothesweek.com. Awesome. And Dory, where can we find you? Uh, I, my blog is Tumbling Blocks, and that's tumblingblocks.net. Dot net. Okay, super. Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, this has been the Walchy Naps Podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. If you have comments about the show, email me. My email address is abbyglassenberg at comcast.net. And my blog is walshynaps.com. See you next time.